Good morning, friends. Couple things. Um, can I get a couple men to hand out Bibles for us? And if you if you need one, so just put your hand in the air, and they will uh, distribute them to you. Uh, it it will be on the screen too. But if you want to hold the Bible while you're reading, you're welcome to do so. Uh, and I want to specifically take an opportunity to thank the men who spent part of their Saturday helping doing things around here yesterday. We had, I think, about 14 or 15 guys come and spend time doing things around the facility to help Blair with various tasks that were uh, needed to get done. And uh, it's a great blessing to have men who are willing to come and dedicate their time. And I know there's other men that weren't able to come but normally would have. So uh, thank you, men, for doing that. And I know the kids aren't here anymore, but that's awesome, the third and second place for Awana. Uh, if you, if you want to serve in Awana, it's a great blessing. You Think about it. You get to help kids learn the Bible, and at the same time, you're learning the Bible because you can't not learn it while you're hearing it because you have like 10 kids repeat the same thing to you. You're bound to maybe pick up some errors here and there, but... Uh, you're going to get the overall point of the verse and hear it. And so if you're looking for a way to serve within the, within the body, it would be a great blessing to the body and to yourself. I know it is to me seeing Charlie come and want to be here and learn God's word. Uh, he gets really excited about coming to Awana, and so it's a blessing. And then lastly, uh, before we pray, I'm going to do something a little bit different in this sermon. I've never done it before, and I don't know if I will ever do it again for part of it. Uh, you'll see when we get there. Uh, don't worry, I'm not going to run around like a crazy person. Uh, but just so you know, this, this, if this is your first time, or I mean, we're still kind of getting to know each other a little bit, uh, this will not be a norm. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Jesus, we thank you that we can gather. Lord, we thank you that what you say about us is true. Lord, that who you say we are is who we are. It is not in question. It is not in contest. But it is true. For you are the way, the truth, and the life. Lord, truth resides in you, and what you say is true. And what you say about us is true. Lord, as we consider you the Lamb of God this morning, it's hard not to go and have our minds drawn to the book of Revelation in chapter 5 where the elders and the saints, they say, it says, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have ransomed your people. And Lord, that you have called us out of darkness and you have made us a kingdom and priests to you, God. And that we shall one day reign on earth with you. Lord, they continued and they said, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom 
and might and honor and glory and blessing. Lord, may that be true in our hearts this day. Lord, that is but a picture of heaven. And you told us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, may these truths be true for us as they are true for heaven. Lord, we long for the day where this is universally true. Lord, we pray that our hearts and minds would be attentive to you this morning and to your word. That we would see how great you truly are. Lord, may we look at you like a jeweler looks at a diamond. May we be captivated by your presence and your character and all that you are. Precious and holy name we pray, amen. If you have a Bible, we're in John chapter 1, verse 29. If you have a pew Bible, or a, not a pew Bible because we don't have pews. Uh, If you have a foyer Bible, that's page 1053. Have any of you ever had to serve on jury duty? Anyone? Yeah, a bunch of us. When I was in college, I had to serve on jury duty, and it took us three weeks to select the jury. Not three weeks for the trial, three weeks to select the jury. And then after that, we spent two months hearing the evidence, having the case presented to us. There was no video evidence, there was no camera, so we had to depend on two things. The evidence that was found in the crime scenes, and eyewitness testimony. We had to depend on the evidence that was found by the police and on the eyewitness testimony of the people that were there, that were present. present. We had to trust and depend that what they were telling us was true. We had to listen and hear what they said, they saw, and they experienced. Today, our passage calls us to the witness or witnesses of two people. Two twin testimonies by John the Baptist and the Holy Spirit. In our passage, we've now moved out of John's prologue, which we were in two weeks ago. And last week, we saw kind of the beginning of John's narrative where Religious leaders were sent to ask John the Baptist, who are you? Who do you say that you are? Are you Elijah? Are you the prophet? Are you the Messiah? And John says, nope. Not, I'm not any of those things. I'm, I'm merely a voice crying out in the wilderness. I'm a voice declaring who God is and what God is about to do. Today, our passage focuses on the day after that event. The next day, the day after those religious leaders have come and asked John who he was and what he is doing and what his purpose is. And we are welcomed into this event where John is going to declare to us who Jesus is. If you have your Bible, I invite you to read. Hear the word of the Lord for you this day. The next day, he... 
John, saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. This is God's eternal word. If you're writing a big idea for the passage today, it's this, that John the Baptist and the Holy Spirit call us to behold the Lamb. John the Baptist and the Holy Spirit call us to behold the Lamb. We have these twin testimonies by these two different persons. The Holy Spirit is a person. We have John the Baptist coming and telling people what he sees and what he hears And he says, behold the Lamb. And then the Holy Spirit acts and tells and reveals who Jesus is. These twin testimonies are to encourage us to consider who the Lamb is. John's testimony runs the whole passage. The Holy Spirit comes in verses 32 and 33. We'll first look at the Holy Spirit's or not the Holy Spirit. We'll first look at John's witness, and then we will look at the Holy Spirit's witness, and then we will see the significant for our, significance for our lives each and every day because of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. Imagine, if you, were, if you will, for a moment that John the Baptist was here. Imagine, if you will, that this is a courtroom and we were to call John the Baptist to the witness stand, and we were to interview him and ask him about his experience. Imagine we were to call John to the witness stand, and there was someone who were to ask him, now John, can you tell us about the day after the religious leaders left? Can you tell us what happened? Can you tell us what you said, what you did, what you saw, your whole experience? What would he say? Well, he might say, Well, you see, there was this one day where I was standing there, and it was the day after the religious leaders left, and I saw Jesus coming towards me. He he was walking towards me, and you know, when you see Jesus coming towards you, you, and you know who Jesus is, you're going to tell everyone about who Jesus is. And I told everyone that would listen to me, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, he's coming towards us. And you, you see that, man, that's, it's so significant that Jesus was walking towards us and he, he was the Lamb of God. And Oh, Lamb. I, I kind of understood what that meant then, but I didn't totally get it. Not until later, not until after everything, not until I got to heaven. I, I didn't really comprehend what those words meant. You see, I knew that in, in the Old Testament and in God's, well, it was really the only testament for me then, but I knew that God, a lamb, was significant for God. That this, the lamb was 
the means by which God passed over our people when we were in Egypt, and it was the means by which they painted the doorpost, and it was to tell the angel of death to not come on that house, and it was oh so significant. But I also knew that God provided a ram for Abraham when he said, Abraham, sacrifice your only son, Isaac. And it was, man, the, the lamb, it means so much. And I knew that the, the prophet Isaiah prophesied in, in the suffering servant passage that he would be like a lamb led to the slaughter and he, would, he wouldn't even open his mouth. lamb had so much significance. It was one of the animals that we would use every day to try and appease God through the sacrificial system. But I, I, I didn't fully get it at that time, and I didn't quite grasp it then. I, I knew that prophets would be betrayed, and prophets would be killed and martyred and treated horribly for being prophets. You, you tell people why they're wrong, and they don't tend to be very happy with you. But I didn't think it would happen to Jesus. I didn't think it would happen to the Son of God. I didn't imagine that he would be betrayed, that he would be mocked and ridiculed, and I didn't quite grasp the significance of it. I didn't know what was going to happen to him. I didn't know that he would be spit on and ridiculed and whipped and asked to carry a cross. I didn't know that he would be asked to carry it up that hill called Golgotha because it looks like a skull. I didn't know that he would have to go through all that. I didn't know that he would have to bear the brunt of the wrath of God, that he would have to tell us that he would bear it on himself. I didn't know that he would, when the time was when he had borne the full brunt of God's wrath, that he would say, it is finished, and give up his spirit. His spirit was not taken from him. I didn't know all that, but I do now, and I'm so thankful to God for it. Why? Because he takes away our sin. He is the Lamb of God who takes away our sin. He took it away from us. He carried it off. He carried it so far away from us. And that's what I was trying to tell people. It was so much more than what we all expected because we, we kind of thought that salvation was just for us as God's people, as the Israelites, but this was the lamb who takes away the sin of the world. God's salvation was getting bigger. And then after that, I said, he's the one who comes, a man who comes after me who ranks before me because he was before me. Now, you, that's kind of a weird thing to say. Someone who was born after you was there before you, right? That, that doesn't make any sense. I mean, people thought I was crazy because I wore camel hair clothing and ate locusts, but when you make statements like this too, they kind of think you're a little off. But it's not weird if he actually was before me. And he was because he's God. We didn't fully grasp all that meant then, but we do now. And then I, I told them that I myself did not know him. Again, this is another strange statement. How can you say you don't know your cousin, right? Ha, ha, you don't know your cousin? 
this makes no sense. Well, what I meant by that when I said that was that I didn't know that he was the Messiah. I didn't fully grasp who he was and what God was doing. I didn't understand. But I knew what God had told me. I knew that God had sent me to reveal who the Messiah was. I knew that God had said that the one you see the Holy Spirit descend upon and remain, he's the Messiah. He's the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Oh, and I saw it. And it was amazing. I kind of don't have words to describe what happened. Have you ever seen anything like that where you, you, you don't have words to describe what you're experiencing? Maybe you've, you've had a, a piece of steak and you've said it melted in my mouth. Does steak melt in your mouth? No, because steak doesn't melt. But what I saw, I saw a dove come down and it resided on Jesus. And guys, you have to understand how big of a deal that is. You see, in the Old Testament, God would give his spirit to people to empower them for his mission and his purpose. But it was never permanent. It was never permanently to reside on people. You think of Samson, he was really strong until his hair got cut, and then, well, you know the story. It wasn't until his hair grew back that he regained his strength. The king Saul, he, he had the spirit, and then the spirit was taken away, but the Holy Spirit was to reside on Jesus. It was to stay there permanently. That is so significant. And why? Because we knew when we saw there, I knew when I saw that, that the consolation of Israel was happening. The day we had all waited for from birth, that we had been told about since we were yay tall, God was doing it. The day that the Messiah was to come was here the day that my parents and my grandparents and my great-grandparents and my great-great-great-grandparents and my great-great-great-great-grandparents and our whole nation was waiting for, it had arrived. What a glorious day it was that the day had arrived. And then, and then I told everyone else who would continue to listen to me, because sometimes people stop listening, that this is the Son of God. This is a unique individual. This person is totally different than any human being that has ever existed. He is God's son. What a good day. What a glorious day. God's son had arrived. Now imagine, if you will, the, the interviewer, the prosecutor, the defendant. I'm, it's not really that kind of a court case, so... Uh, but the lawyer were to ask John, he were to say, now, thank you, John. Can, you said that he baptizes with the Holy Spirit. What do you mean by that, John? Well, what did you mean when you said he baptizes with the Holy Spirit? And then imagine John saying, oh, well, you know, I think that might be a better question for you to ask him. Okay, thank you. You may depart the stand, and John returns to his seat. And now let's hear the Spirit's witness. Now I'm going to be honest with you, I don't feel comfortable pretending to speak as if I'm God. So we're going to stop the like dramatization because uh, that just feels really weird and that's, that's a step too far. So we're going we're to pull out of that. 
And we're going to see what the Holy Spirit's witness is to us. And we actually see a threefold witness that the Holy Spirit does in this passage. And the first one is where he comes from. It says he descended from heaven. His origin, his place where he descends from, tells us that he has the authority to represent heaven. The Holy Spirit's witness has the authority of heaven. And not just the authority of heaven, but the authority of God, and it's kind of strange because the Holy Spirit is God. So the Holy Spirit is speaking on behalf of God, but as God, and declaring that Jesus is from heaven and he is part of the family. It's kind of like if you were to uh, take a sports analogy when a team representative goes and tries to uh, get a new player to sign with their team. The Holy Spirit is representing heaven and speaking on behalf of heaven and saying, this has our authority. But it's even a little more strange that it's kind of like Jerry Jones acting on behalf of the Cowboys. Does everyone know who Jerry Jones is? (laughs) Unfortunately. Um, Jerry Jones is the owner of the Cowboys, and he's also the GM of the Cowboys. And so when Jerry Jones says something about the Cowboys, it's the Cowboys. Like, he, he has the full authority to represent the organization because he owns the organization. Or like the Bus family, when they try to uh, uh, negotiate on behalf of the Lakers, the Bus family owns the Lakers, and so they can negotiate on behalf of the organization as the organization's owners. And so, not only is the Holy Spirit saying that this Jesus, he has the authority of heaven, but this is God himself. Jesus is God himself by nature of the Holy Spirit's witness. Or that's how we know that Jesus is the nature, is God. Sorry, I phrased that really weird, and it could sound like I'm saying something that's not true is true. Jesus is God 100% of the time from before creation till ever. He's the Alpha and the Omega. So don't hear that I said that Jesus wasn't God at some point in time, because that's not what I'm saying. Jesus always has been, always will be, and was God, even when he had flesh. But then we also see the second piece of witness and testimony, and that's the Holy Spirit resided on Jesus. Friends, that is so significant that the Holy Spirit stayed on Jesus. It's because it shows that everything that Jesus did had the authority of heaven. Everything that Jesus did represented heaven. It's as if The family bank account is given to someone and said, you can go and spend it and use it. And then they go and spend and use the family bank account on things that people might question. You might think, well, why did you buy that? And the family says, yeah, we told him to go spend the money on that. By having the power of the Holy Spirit reside on him permanently, it's saying that he is acting on behalf of heaven permanently. Doesn't come and go. Everything he does, he does on behalf of heaven. So there's not times where Jesus is acting as a man and there are times where Jesus is acting on behalf of heaven. No. Everything Jesus does at every moment in time 
was on behalf of heaven. And that's what the remaining of the Holy Spirit indicates to us. And then the third thing we see is the baptism of the Holy Spirit on believers. The Holy Spirit's testimony is stated through the empowerment of believers by the work of the Holy Spirit in their life. Baptism of the Holy Spirit happens when we become believers. It's the moment when God comes in and makes us new. It starts there and then it projects for the remainder of our lives. It's the moment when God comes in and takes our stone heart and breathes life into it so that it beats spiritually alive. And then we put our faith in Jesus and we call out to him and we say, Jesus, I need your help. And we have faith, regeneration, and conversion. Those things often seem like they're happening simultaneously, right? There are times where we might say, well, I put my faith and then I felt new. And it's the Holy Spirit comes into our life first and then we have faith. But it happens so simultaneously for most people that we cannot distinguish them apart. But that's not all the Holy Spirit does. And thanks be to God. You know what else the Holy Spirit does? He enlightens or illuminates for us the truth. Later in John's Gospel, in chapter 16, he's going to tell us that the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. Friends, if you did not have the Holy Spirit, this would not mean very much to you. Spiritual truths are discerned spiritually, and that only happens if you have the Holy Spirit. You could give this to someone, and they could read it their entire lives every day, but if the Holy Spirit's not in them, it's not going to produce faith. It will produce something else. Friends, the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, and he illuminates the truth for us. He illuminates who God is and God's will so that we might obey him. And that's the second thing. It's that we are given the strength and power through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes into your life, and he empowers you to live the life of faith. Isn't that good news? He doesn't just tell you what you need to do. He helps you do it. Are you thankful that he helps you live the life that he has called you to? Have you ever observed in your own life a moment when... ten years ago or five years ago that you've observed a dramatic change in you because of the Holy Spirit and his empowerment? When you put your faith in Jesus and he gives you power through the Holy Spirit, you can live a life that's pleasing to him. No temptation has overcome you except that which is common to man, but he will always give you a way out. Friends, this baptism, this new life in the Holy Spirit, it's not like John's baptism, which was just for the removal of sin. It's actually additive. John's was subtractive. The Holy Spirit is additive. John was to display a heart of repentance. The Holy Spirit is to show empowerment for this new life. The Holy Spirit empowers us. He gives us life and he sends us out. And then the third thing we see that he does in the life of the believer, sanctification or purification. The Holy Spirit at work in our life to conform it to the will of God through the fruit of the Spirit. 
Have any of you ever experienced a time where you knew that God had been working because of new evidence of the fruit of the Spirit? Back in October when we moved into our house, uh, we had set up the TV and it just miraculously stopped working one day. Well, Charlie was watching TV and Josie was walking around with a meat thermometer. Josie decided to hit the TV with the meat thermometer and the TV stopped working. And I knew that the Holy Spirit was working in my life because I did not lose it. Because I didn't want to buy a new TV, and I knew that our house would not survive without a TV, so I knew I was going to have to buy one, and I didn't lose it. That was an expensive illustration for God to give me that he was at work in my life, that I had grown in patience. It's one of the fruit of the Spirit, right? Have you ever noticed a time where you're like, man, if this was me five years ago, I would have reacted a totally different way? Like you missed the light, and oh, the, the person in front of you, they didn't go quick enough, and then they went slow, and they weren't paying attention. They were sitting on their cell phone, and five years ago, you're, and now you're like, okay, it'll be all right. I'm early. <laughs> Guys, there are moments where we can see the Holy Spirit working in our life and making us more like who God wants us to be and that is the work of the Holy Spirit and thank you Jesus that he does it because I am so glad I'm not the man I was 10 years ago praise be to God right that I am not the man I was 10 years ago yeah Amber will amen that yep amen that I'm not the man I was 20 years ago Holy Spirit, he comes into our life and he makes us new and he enables us to live out the life that God desires for us. That is such good news. And then the last thing that we, we have to do is we, we have to behold the Lamb. Significance. Look at what it says in verse 29. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Guys, when Jesus came to earth and he lived the perfect human life empowered by the Holy Spirit, he did so so that we could be reconciled to God because we have sin in our life and we are separated from God and if we don't have a reconciler, we will spend eternity separated from him. And Jesus lived that perfect life and eventually he was betrayed and suffered under Pontius Pilate and carried his cross up Golgotha and he was pierced with nails and was hung upon that cross and he was ridiculed and mocked by all that saw him. And then he breathed his last breath and died. He rose on the third day as evidence that God accepted his sacrifice. The lamb's significance is that his act takes away the sin of the world. If we put our faith and hope and trust in Jesus, our sins are taken away. That is open to every one of us in this room. And not just some of our sins. It takes away all of them. 
It's not like Jesus takes away 60% and then you've got to deal with the 40% yourself. Or 75, 25, or even 99 and 1, or 99.9999999999 and 1. Or point zero zero one. Guys, he takes away it all from the elephant to the ant, to the water in the Pacific, to the water in the eyedropper, eyedropper, to the moon, to the molecule. Every ounce of it he takes away. Is that wonderfully good news? <laughs> I'm not perfect. Amen, right, Amber? Yeah. Guys, I am so thankful for what Jesus has done. Are you thankful for what Jesus has done? That he has carried away your sin? But not only has he carried away, this is permanent and continual. This is present and active. It's there for all time. It's not like he took it away then and it can come back later. It's there all the time. You, you would more easily find the pot at the end of the rainbow than you would sin credited to your account. You know that the, that the leprechaun is hiding? Not the, not the kind of pot that's legal in California and Washington? The pot of gold, you guys. You can't find it, right? Have any of you ever tried to go and look for the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow? Can you find it? No, you can't even get to the end of the rainbow. It keeps moving on you. Guys, your sin is that far removed from you. It's as, as far as the east is from the west. Actually, east is over there right now, and west is over there. East from the west. It is permanent. And friends, it is for the world That's you. That's your loved ones. That's the person you may not like very much at work. That's the person that's at work that may not like you very much. That's for the ISIS terrorist, the political opponent you don't like. That's for the 49er fans. <laughs> or the Cougar fans or or the Laker fans, all of them. Friends, all those people, every category of every individual, as long as they are in the world, as long as they're alive and breathing, the opportunity for them to have faith in Jesus is there. What would it look like for the people that you know and you love to put their faith, hope, and trust in Jesus? Wouldn't that be a glorious day? What about the, the person that you don't care for very much at work who maybe mocks you for your faith? What would it look like for them to put their faith and hope and trust in Jesus? That that person that you once didn't like would be reconciled to God and then hopefully be reconciled to you. That'd be a glorious day. What about the ISIS terrorist that kills believers, that kills Christians? Can we long for the day where they might be like the Apostle Paul who used to kill believers and then encountered Jesus and put his faith in Christ? What a glorious day that would be to see men and women who once persecuted Jesus put their faith in him and tell others about it. 
because if, if someone's still breathing, they are part of that category of the world. Do you long, do you desire to see them come to know Jesus? I do. Long to see my dad come to know Jesus. Long to see friends from high school and friends from college come to know Jesus. It's the only way. Jesus is the, the Lamb of God. The. There's one. There's not multiple. He's the only way. Do you long for that day? So friends, the, questions for, the question for us is, will you behold the Lamb? Will you behold the one who took away your sin? Will you look at him and stare at him and turn him over, so to speak, and consider all that he has done? Isn't that wonderful what he has done? It's like, behold! John's like, hey, pay attention! Blair's going to wake up when he's listening to this uh, later on in the week. Because when I get loud, he, he's like, I was already awake. You don't need to wake me up, John. Guys, we need to behold him. The one who took away our sins. The one who takes away the sin of the world. The, way who, the one who takes away the sin of your loved one if they put their faith in him. The one who has taken away the sin of those of us who sit in this room who have put our faith in Jesus. But his life also has significance because of the empowerment through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Friends, the life you are called to live that you need help with every day, you need God's grace, is given by God for you through the work of the Holy Spirit done by Jesus as he baptizes us into his name. Isn't that a wonderful truth that God gives us what we need? Friends, what do you need the Spirit's help with this week? Do you need its enlightenment? Is there a task that you don't know how to handle? God knows. The Spirit will lead you into truth. Do you need to do something that feels like it's impossible for you to do? Do A spiritual task that God is asking you to do? He will empower you. Or friends, if there is indwelling sin in your life that you need to put to death, He will enable you to do it. Isn't that wonderful news? Friends, it starts with Jesus, it's with Jesus, and it ends with Jesus. All of it, at all time. Will you behold the Lamb? Let's pray. Jesus, you are the Lamb of God. Lord, you have taken away our sin if we put our faith in you. And we are so thankful for that. Lord, may we not live it. May we be captivated by who you are and your goodness and your graciousness and your gloriousness and your greatness. Lord Jesus, may we behold you like John the Baptist called us to. Lord, may we experience the fullness of life that you give through the Holy Spirit.
Lord, it is by the Spirit, through you, to the Father, that we do everything. May our lives reflect that which you have done for us each and every day. Lord, may we be like John and tell others to look at you. May we call others to behold you, for you are so good, Jesus. Precious and holy name we pray, amen. If the Lord has worked in your life in some way today, he's put something on your heart that you want to pray about, we have some individuals up here who would love to pray with you. Um, And it has been requested that I ask if when you're leaving, if you could stack a couple chairs for this afternoon. So my friends, may you this week behold the Lamb of God and live every day in light of his empowering spirit. Go in his peace.